My name is Rick Renner, and today I'm in ancient Ephesus at the Temple of Serapis. I love the Temple of Serapis first because few people get to come here. It's closed to the public because it is so difficult to get here. But when you do finally get here, if you have permission, wow, this is a breathtaking sight to see this ancient temple and the size of all of the details. The columns are 80 tons. I'm seated on a pedestal which once held one of those columns. Look at the size of this pedestal. It's tons and tons. It had to be strong. It had to be stable because an 80-ton column was erected on top of it. It had to have a strong foundation. And actually, when I look at this entire facility from the ancient world, the foundation stones just nearly leave you speechless. They are so enormous. They built this temple to last. And it would have lasted if it hadn't been for an earthquake that knocked it flat. This is a very dark, very dark, sinister place where demon spirits once abounded. But when I'm here, I don't just think about the beautiful architectural features, I think about the foundation stones they had to bring to this place to hold up all of these features. If we want to build something strong in our life, we have to have a good foundation. If you have a bad foundation, it's for sure everything you build is going to collapse. But if you spend a lot of time on your foundation, then you can begin to build with peace knowing that what you're going to build is going to pass the test of time. This really is what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. He said, if you put a foundation under the brethren, you'll be a good minister of Jesus Christ. He said to Timothy, if you want to be a good minister, if you really want to be a responsible believer, then spend a lot of time making sure you put a good, solid, spiritual and doctrinal foundation underneath people's lives. If they've got a good foundation, then they've really got something they can build on. Today I'm gonna to talk to you about spiritual foundations, what you need to do to make sure you have a foundation under your life, and what you can do to put a foundation under the life of somebody else. That's what I'm gonna to talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Thank you for joining me. My name is Rick Renner and today we're going to jump right into 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's going to be really great today. Get a piece of paper, something to write with, get a cup of coffee, get your Bible and get ready to study the scriptures with me. But I'm offering you my book called how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy, developing discernment for these last days. This is a book you will want to order. This book will challenge you. You'll find it to be provoking. Wow. This is a book that will really make you think about what you believe and what you are endorsing. So order your copy today. It'll help somebody else as well. So you might want to order two copies, one for yourself and one for someone else. But today I'm going to talk to you about how to keep your head on straight in a world gone crazy. And today we're going to return to our anchor verse, which is in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. And today we're going to cover this a little more deeply. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, the Apostle Paul's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
And he says in chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now if you think I'm covering this too much, I'm sorry for that. But it's really the anchor verse for this series, and we have to cover it again. It is so foundational to what I'm teaching, because in this verse the Holy Spirit speaks loudly. He speaks clearly. It's almost like he's reaching through the pages of the Bible to grab us and to shake us and to make sure we really hear what he's saying. He's issuing a call to us. And he says, now the Spirit speaks expressly. We've seen that this phrase, speaketh expressly, is from the Greek word retus. And the word retus describes something that is absolutely clear. It is unmistakable. He is speaking in the strongest and clearest of language, something categorical, something that will most assuredly come to pass, which means the Holy Spirit is describing a season that cannot be avoided, and he tells us the season is going to occur in the latter times. So you could translate the verse like this. Now the Spirit speaks in the strongest and clearest of language. Now the Spirit speaks in undeniable, unmistakable terms. And now through Paul, the Holy Spirit's pointing his finger 2,000 years into the future. And he says, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Latter is a Greek word which describes the very, very ultimate end of a thing when there's nothing more to come. There's nothing left over. You can't go any further. The word times is a Greek word kairos, which describes a season. You compound the two words together, latter times describes the last season when there are no more seasons. You've come to the very end, this is it, there's no more, who's that us? There's no more to come, there's nothing left over, this is the final season of the church age. And you know what's interesting? When you read Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives the disciples signs of the times. And the first sign Jesus gives is worldwide deception. In fact, Jesus says deception will even try to deceive those that are the elect or those that are saved. He describes a strange season in which deception will begin to extend its tentacles into every part of society and it will even attempt to affect those that are saved, those that are inside the church. That's why we need to really understand what the Holy Spirit is saying. He's not trying to scare us. He's trying to shake us up. He's trying to prepare us so that if we live in that final season, we will not be affected by the spirit of the age. You don't have to be affected. The world around you can sink, but you can swim. Not just swim, you can float on the waters of destruction. And that's God's desire for your life. But in 1 Timothy 4 verse 1, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly in the clearest of language, the strongest of language, undeniable, unmistakable terms that in the latter times, when there's no more time, nothing left over, it is the final season, some shall depart from the faith. Depart is the Greek word ephistomy, which describes a very slow departure. This is not the abandonment of the faith. This is a departure from the faith. The faith very slowly is being modified and not only is the faith being modified, but people in society, their thinking is being modified to accept things that formerly they would have believed were wrong. They're modifying what they think. They may even call themselves progressive thinkers. But in fact, they are in departure from the faith. 
giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Giving heed in Greek is the word planel. I'm sorry, the word seducing is the word planel. And I want to read to you what it means. And I'm going to read to you from my book called Signs You'll See Just Before Jesus Comes. And I'm going to read to you from page 40. Listen to this. The word seducing is translated from the word planel, which means to wander off course. To wander off course. So the first thing this tells us is these seducing spirits will attempt to lead people off course. It could depict an individual who's wandered off course, or it could even describe a whole nation or even vast numbers of nations that have veered off course from a moral position they once held to be true. It suggests a moral wandering on a worldwide scale at the close of the age. Isn't that what we're saying? A moral wandering? On a worldwide scale, it's happening everywhere. In Greek, this word planel, here translated seducing, depicts the behavior of someone who once walked on a solid path, but who is now drifting and teetering on the edge of a treacherous route. This person has either already departed from his one solid path and has lost his bearings as a result, or he is currently in the process of departing from it. The word seducing means he's going cross-grained against all that was once a part of his core belief system. Sadly, he is now deviating from his former solid moral position to a course that is unreliable, unpredictable, and even dangerous. This word seducing tells us there will be a mass divergence from time-tested biblical standards at the end of the age, and as a result of this near abandonment of truth and throwing away all moral foundations, society will begin to teeter on a dangerous and treacherous path. That is what the word planel means, which here in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1 is translated seducing, seducing spirits. One expositor has translated it spirits of delusion. It's delusional truth. That's how far they've wandered off course. Now they're embracing delusional information and believing that it's true. It's fairy tale material, but they're believing it. And the Holy Spirit prophesies this will happen in the end of age. And he even says it will happen to some that are in the church. That doesn't need to be us. Now, how should we respond to this? Well, we have a very clear word of instruction in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. And in verse 6, Paul gives instruction to Timothy because Timothy is the spiritual leader in the church. And in his church, where some are already veering from the truth, Timothy needs to bring a correction. He needs to take action to put people back on a solid foundation. That's what you need to do. Who do you know that is veering from the truth? Do you know anyone that's playing with ideas that really are spiritually dangerous? They're embracing moral concepts that just run cross-grained to the teaching of the Bible. They become so open-minded, you've wondered if they've lost their minds entirely. What is your role? What does God expect you to do to help bring them back and put them back on course again? And we find Paul's word of instruction to Timothy and to us in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. And listen to what Paul says. He says, If you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. According to this verse, 
if we want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, we have to put the brethren in remembrance of these things. What things? What does that mean, put the brethren in remembrance? Well, here we have an example of a Greek word that is wrongly translated. In Greek, it is the word hupotithemi. The word hupotithemi is profound, and it's so sad it was translated wrong in this verse. The word hupo means to be under, to be under like to be underneath something. The word tithemi means to lay place or to position something like a foundation. When you compound the two words together, hupotithemi means to take a foundation and put it underneath something. To put a foundation underneath something, and in this case, it says under the brethren. And Paul says, Timothy, if you or anyone who deals in truth, if you want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, then you have to be involved in putting a foundation underneath people's lives. If you hupotithemi, if you lay place and position a foundation hupo under the brethren, this will qualify you to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. That's really how I gauge how I'm doing. Am I really doing a good job as a minister of the gospel? For me, the answer is in this question. Am I just teaching fluff or am I putting a foundation under people's lives that they can build their life on? My job is to put a foundation under other people's lives. If you're a parent, that's your job. You need to give your kids a foundation. If you're a pastor, you need to give your church a foundation. If you're a teacher, you need to be teaching foundations, something that people can build their lives on. This makes you a good minister in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Now I want to give you an example of a foundation. Many years ago, Denise and I were building our first really big church building back in Riga, Latvia. We purchased a piece of land. It was a big piece of land. But the problem is the land was peat moss, 100% peat moss, beautiful, rich peat moss. Well, peat moss is nice. You can grow a lot in it, but you can't build on it because it's too soft. So for us to build on that property, we had to dig really deep to hit solid ground. We brought in the bulldozers and they began moving dirt and moving dirt and moving dirt. I wondered, are we ever going to find solid ground? And finally, they hit solid ground. They had to dig down about nine feet before they hit sand, before they hit something that was solid. Well, that was pretty deep. Our building was nearly the size of a football field. So for us to build, we had to remove peat moss nine feet deep the size of a football field. I went out every day and watched the process as the trucks came in and the trucks drove out and the trucks came in and the trucks went out carrying away that beautiful peat moss and they took it down to the Dalgava River and dumped it into the river. I remember wishing I could package it and send it to America because people would have loved to have bought all that peat moss for their gardens. It was just amazing, beautiful, black peat moss, but you can't build on that. So we removed it nine feet deep, the size of a football field. Now we had to begin filling the hole. I had the biggest hole in the nation. Literally, at that time, it was the biggest hole in that nation. It was our property. It's where we were going to build our church building. So they brought in sand. They brought in rock. 
and they brought in more sand, they brought in more rock, and brought in more sand, brought in more rock, multiple layers of sand, multiple layers of rock, building, building, building a foundation on which they could begin to pour concrete. But then before they begin to pour the concrete, they brought in all the metal rebar. And finally, the big concrete trucks came. I was there the day they came. I wanted to watch this process take place. And I watched all that concrete come pouring out of those trucks as those trucks were spinning. And the concrete began pouring down those chutes onto the site. And finally, in front of me, there was a massive slab a massive slab, a huge foundation, huge foundation. That foundation cost half a million dollars, half a million dollars. And for us at that time, half a million dollars was really big, big money. We put so much into that foundation. Then they brought in big sanders, and the sanders began to grind the surface of the concrete to smooth it down. And I remember going out to that foundation, how I loved that foundation. I was so proud of our foundation. No one understood how much faith had been used to build that foundation. Money, half a million dollars, sand, rock, rebarb, so much had gone into that foundation. So much work had gone into that foundation. And I would literally walk across that foundation. I would look at it from one angle and from another angle and think, wow, what a foundation. What a foundation. But eventually comes the time when you have to build on your foundation. They begin to put up the walls. And finally, the day came when the building was constructed and they brought in carpet and tile. They begin to tile on top of the foundation, and then they begin to unroll the carpet, and as they unrolled the carpet, right in front of my eyes, my foundation began to disappear. It disappeared under the, under the carpet and under the tile. And soon, the foundation was no longer visible. It was still there, but you couldn't see it because it was covered with tile and it was covered with carpet. When the day finally came that we dedicated that building, when people walked into that building, they were amazed. They looked at the atrium, they looked at the beautiful doors, the decorations. People were just amazed, especially back in those days, because it was the first big church building to be constructed in that particular republic for 55 years. People were stunned. They were literally seeing church history it's amazing. But when they walked in the building, no one stomped their feet and said, wow, what a foundation. In fact, no one even talked about the foundation. I'm the only one who seemed to love the foundation. I'm the only one who really knew what was under that church. But under that carpet and under that tile was a massive foundation that had taken so much time and had cost so much money, and that foundation was holding up the entire structure. Everything was built on top of the foundation. Foundations are very important, but you know what? When a foundation is laid correctly, nobody talks about it. The only time people talk about foundations is when foundations are crooked are when foundations are cracked. And when foundations are cracked, everybody talks about the foundation because it puts the entire structure in jeopardy. Everything's in jeopardy 
when a foundation is unstable, when a foundation is cracked, when a foundation is crooked, the whole building is in jeopardy. That's how important is a foundation. Now keep all of that in mind. When we come to this verse, when Paul says, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, the Greek word hypotithemi literally means if you put a good foundation underneath people's lives, if you put a good foundation under the brethren, in God's view, this makes you a good minister of Jesus Christ. You see, people need something they can build their lives on. They don't need shifting sand. They don't need a cracked foundation. The foundation is going to hold them up for the rest of their life. And if they have a flawed foundation, it's going to put their entire life in jeopardy. It will affect their moral decisions. It will affect them in so many ways if their foundation is not right. And now Paul says to Timothy, and to me, and to you, to anybody who has influence in anybody else's life. And he says, if you want Jesus to be pleased with you, especially in the end of the age when people are going to be drawn aside by seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, deal in truth. Deal in truth. Make sure that your focus is putting a foundation under people's lives and make sure that that foundation is right, that it's not flawed, it's not cracked, it's not shaky, it's not shifting. Give them solid truth, not a modification of truth. Give them truth that is so strong, so stable, that is time-tested that they can really build their lives on top of truth that will hold them up for the days to come. Wow. That's what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. That's my translation, but that's really what it means. Rather than say like the King James Version, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, the Greek really means if you, hupotithemi, if you put a good foundation underneath the brethren, this will make you a good minister of Jesus Christ. This is the answer to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Give people the word of God, teach people how to think, what to think, what to believe, and you've given them something that will protect them regardless of the age they live in. We're out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment, and I'm going to pray for you. The world is changing. In fact, it's more than changed. It's gone crazy. We are living in a world where faith is questioned and sin is welcome, where people seem to have lost their minds about what is right and wrong. It seems truth has been turned upside down. In Rick Renner's new book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, Rick reveals the disastrous consequences of a society in spiritual and moral collapse. In this book, you'll discover what Christians need to be doing to stay out of the chaos and anchor to truth. You'll learn how to stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit, discern right and wrong teaching, how to be grounded in prayer, and how to be spiritually prepared for living in victory in these last days. Leading ministers from around the world are calling this book essential for every believer. And right now, it's available for just $20. You can also order the 15-part teaching series when you call or go online right now. Rick takes you deep into New Testament prophecies about the end of the age and what you need to do to sail successfully through turbulent end-time waters. Available in digital or physical formats starting at just $24. Get the book, How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy, for just $20. And don't miss this powerful teaching series. Call the number on your screen now or go to renner.org to order. Call or go online now.
My friend, our ministry is really growing. We're reaching people all over the world that are tuning in because they feel like they have found teaching they can trust. And what an honor that God would ask us to bring teaching of the Bible into people's homes. I'm really praying for a revival of the Bible in the hearts of God's people. And God's people are responding. They're calling, they're writing, they're reaching out to us. And dear friend, this program is not about us. It's about you. It's about the people that we are reaching. And because we want to reach them and minister to them in the very best way, we need to expand. We are bursting at the seams. Our office building in Tulsa has become totally insufficient. We're having to put all of our resources and materials in containers because we have no more room in our building. And we just found a building that would perfectly meet our needs and it's fully furnished. And at the same time, we're building a new TV studio in Moscow because this studio is just inadequate for what we need to do. If you can imagine, we're filming five to seven daily programs in this studio. We have run out of space. It's time for us to expand a new building in America, a new studio in Moscow, and reach around the world with teaching that people can trust that will change their lives. And we need your help. Would you please pray about giving into this project to become a part of this, to help us expand so that we can do a better job of taking care of the people that God has sent to us. Wow, you can really make a difference in someone else's life by participating in this expansion project. And if it's in your heart to say, yes, I want to be a part of that, you can find out more by going online or give us a call right now. Today, I've really been focusing on 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6, where Paul says, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, this will make you a good minister of Jesus Christ. Now, in the next program, we're going to look at that phrase, a good minister of Jesus Christ. What is a good minister of Jesus Christ? How do you know if you are one, God certainly wants you to be one. But we do know from 1 Timothy 4 verse 6 that a good minister is one who's putting the brethren in remembrance of these things, are we seeing that this is the Greek word hypotithemi? A good minister, a serious, responsible believer is one who is hypotithemi, putting a foundation under the brethren. You're giving people something they can build their life on that is reliable, unlike seducing spirits, which are trying to lead people onto a path that is unreliable, treacherous, teetering on the edge of something really dangerous spiritually and morally. That's where the devil wants to lead people. But the Word of God establishes us. That's why you need the Bible. It's why I always quote at the very end of every program, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there is power. God's Word has power. That is the Word of the King working in my life and your life. And when we embrace the Word of God as it is, not modifying it, not altering it, but just taking it as it is, embracing it, putting our faith in it, and building our life on it, it puts us on a foundation that will hold us up for the times we're living in or any time we will eventually face. Jesus gave the parable of a house that was built on sand and a house that was built on rock. We need to build on the rock of God's Word. Amen.
By the way, I'm offering you my book, which is called How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. Order your copy today. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that today we have had this marvelous time together in the Word of God. We thank you that the Bible establishes us. It gives us a foundation for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And remember, Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power. I'll see you in the next program.